welcome listeners another episode of unverified accounts for you um so for this episode i have switched out the intro music just for this episode uh to a real hero by college and um electric youth because we're gonna end up talking about drive because the main discussion for today will be the movie promising young woman liza you said that's actually your one of your favorite bands right College, yeah. College is one of my favorite bands. I saw them at South by Southwest like a while ago before before I got pregnant. Yeah, remember those things where people gathered to listen to <laughs> their preferred musicians play? I had yeah, two that's... concerts canceled because of oh, the shit. pandemic. One of them well, got moved like kind of optimistically six months in the future, which is stupid. And then the it? other one was moved by a year. So I, I was going to see, uh, I think I mentioned this before, Caribou, a Canadian electronic oh, band. Yeah. And yeah. I also got uh, those really expensive Rage Against the Machine tickets. Oh, <laughs> and, shut up. And then, yeah, that is, is that, that is the now, one that was postponed? Or is that, that just one, canceled? They were both postponed, but the Rage one was postponed by literally one, like 365 days into the future for July, like 2021. And I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Speaking of throwback concerts, remember that MCR reunion concert that was announced? Did that actually happen before? I think that was supposed to be summer of 2020, so it must have gotten postponed. Definitely postponed. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's everything. They're not even doing the Olympics next, I mean, this summer, are they? Well, that's impossible. Uh, it's like, not going to happen. Like, didn't Japan already? I don't know. Is, 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 I, don't, I don't know if I read the headline right, but is Japan denying it or are they confirming that? Well, there uh, were rumors that they admitted they're going to have to cancel the whole thing. But then I think then they said, no, that's not true. But I think definitely it'll have to be postponed. There's no way they can do it. They can do well, they definitely can't do summer. it this year because I think I think I don't think even Americans will be vaccinated by that point. No, and it would no be like way. the super spreader of super. I mean, can you imagine the Olympic Village? What a super spreader uh, <laughs> thing that would be, especially from all the sexy sex they have in those villages. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel I I really do feel bad for the Olympians because I do too. Because, That's who I feel mm-hmm. bad for. Like they've been working their whole lives for this. Yeah, yeah, and it's every four years you your athletic peak. Uh, especially in these types of individual sports, don't last four years. You really only have one shot. You have to be like a freak like Usain Bolt to be a gold medal <laughs> contender in like two Olympics in a row mm-hmm. or True. even more. True. Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of them, this, that was their, that's their piece. This is they like don't their really whole have, life. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's not like they can fall back to being. It's, you're not like an NBA player who can go back to being a professional. No, it's like there is no professional league for these people. They're they're going to go back to I don't know working at Home Depot or something. And their big, you know, their biggest dreams are now completely destroyed. Yeah, I don't want to talk. It's so depressing. (laughs) I feel bad for them, too. Yeah. Uh, But oh, reminder, um, please subscribe to our podcast if you like it. Leave us an excellent review. Tell your tell all your friends about us. All right. So before you get five stars or don't just don't leave a review. (laughs) (laughs) Watch them leave like two star reviews just as much. Oh, be like four star reviews. I was going to give you five, but then uh, <laughs> you, uh, I didn't like the way you told me what to do. So taking a star <laughs> off, like a, like, a, like a snippy Yelp review. <laughs> but before we get into the movie Promising Young Woman, um, let's just talk about shit that's happened this week. Uh, I really don't want to talk too much about the inauguration, but I feel like we gotta because it did happen. So uh, any thoughts, you guys? I thought the possible? poem was stupid. Yeah, I don't want to bash the poem just because. Okay, first of all, she her you it know didn't she feel kind of Hamilton like to you. Well, it, it was well, it, it literally was because she um was inspired by a lot of lines from it. But it's like her like she she's like a thousand times the poet I will ever be. So I you know I don't want to like judge too <laughs> harshly. But I saw like a like a first minute of it, and then she rhymed uh just is with justice. And I'm like mm-hmm. I, I saw that in my college <laughs> slam poetry freshman year talent show. Mm, and then our friend Mtume was definitely not holding back when I yeah, talked to him about it. He's like, I've taught poetry before. <laughs> this is absolute trash. Oh, really? Wow. Um, but it, was all, it was all very, like, the whole thing, it felt like, I don't think they engineered it, but you knew that they knew when they selected her that it was going to be a huge hit, right? Like, young, black, rising yeah, star. Like, you young, know, black, attractive, young woman, Harvard grad. Harvard grad, uh, right. Super, super expensive private school from, like, K to 12, too. Oh, really? Yeah, someone posted like the tuition page from the school that she went to. And it was like something ridiculous, like $42,000 a year private school. Yeah, and um, what is it? I also read online that th- she's been kind of like groomed for this for a number of years now. She's not just some 
total nobody that they happen to pluck out of an online poetry contest. So it's like, <laughs> what are her connections? Like, who's her parents? Whom did they know? And now mm-hmm. she's being thrust Who as is our, it? Who like, is she? I didn't, re- I didn't well, read this. I, I don't know. I, I didn't read up any further. But it's, it's kind of like, why her? You know? I mean, there's a lot of other people, mm-hmm. including like other young black women from Harvard that they could have picked. So it's like, why her? Um, and again, it's like, if this poem was just one of many and it was just like printed in the what do you call it like the schedule you know it's a perfectly fine poem but but now uh that guy anand giradaras he was Mm -hmm. tweeting among like a lot of other people like this is the greatest poem i've ever heard and it sounds very insulting uh i mean i think if i were like a young black woman i'd be kind of like insulted because it's so pandering like obviously this is not the greatest poem ever written and what are you trying to get out of this for yourself by saying all this it's all very nakedly based on self-interest trying to look good and apparently her book is now the number one bestseller on amazon i don't know in what category i'm guessing poetry or maybe it might be overall and mina harris who i think yeah apparently she has a book mina harris who is i think the niece or something of Kamala Harris also now her, her children's book is now a bestseller. It's like, oh my god! So this is all just a, a sales pitch, isn't it? So, and uh, obviously though, I, I think another reason they're trying to push this is who is the star of the inauguration? Everyone, <laughs> Bernie in the chair with his minions. Bernie in the chair. Guy That's doesn't the even only try. Good thing that com- that came out of the inauguration was all the memes. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be so annoying because without even trying yet again, just like in 2016, he just uh, captures everyone's attention. He's like not charismatic. He's not attractive. He's not even like a good orator, but just, I don't know, there's something about him. And everyone else is trying so hard, yet him without even lifting a finger instantly becomes a sensation. It's got to be so irritating for these people. It's because mm-hmm. he's who we wanted. Right, right. I think that's a big part of it. And I did yeah. think it was very kind of like disrespectful to reduce him to a meme you know i mean this is kind of I like i get it but i don't know i thought it was funny no no it definitely is funny uh, my favorite one was he was in a ufc ring uh, doing an arm bar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that was good the, the miyazaki ones where he's like sitting on the train and stuff are nice too there's some good ones out there um, the way, it was just so perfect he really did look like he was doing an arm bar and he just, oh, uh, i don't, I don't I don't really get the the criticisms that say that it's disrespectful to reduce him to a meme because like it's kind of powerful that he's still this like you know cultural icon. I think it's kind of like the Jordan crying meme because this is kind of like is the Bernie crying meme. It is him at his uh, moment of defeat, having to acknowledge the people who basically cheated him out of a uh, out of mm-hmm. the nomination. So um, and people are kind of like having fun with him but it's like you should be mad you know but why are you laughing but you know as i said i i thought it was funny too because you're trying to cope there's nothing we can do about it yeah Yeah, it's pure copium i didn't feel like they were mocking him though it felt like they thought it was i think most of it was genuine but um it's like hey remember remember the injustice that was done we should we should keep that in mind as well Mm -hmm. true um so th- th- there was somebody trying to make a Kamala meme happen. They made her look like a Sith lord uh which i actually thought looked no, 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 that's no, Kamala. no, no. That's, uh, that's Kamala Harris. No, and it's uh, a green lightsaber, so she's a Jedi. Yeah, yeah, but then Come someone on. changed it to a red lightsaber. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. I would see that getting passed around. <laughs> but I actually thought she looked cool because she has like the mask. She kind of looks like, like yeah, Kylo Ren. But then, um, you know, then you actually know the real her and then it automatically decoolifies it. But I think objectively speaking, it actually looked cool. But um, <laughs> yeah. And then there was that uh, woman who infamously got mad. The uh, ice cold feminist take said mm-hmm. that uh, Bernie's she apparently loves Bernie Sanders, but she she thought that he was being a misogynist because he wasn't performing the emotional labor that would have been expected of women in the same position. Uh, to her credit, she deleted and acknowledged that it was too much, and she was just going to stay After off of Twitter for a bit. After it was screenshot like a million times. Yeah. yeah so you know what? Credit to where credits due. A lot of people don't actually do legit apologies, but I think it does show that Bernie still lives uh, in the heads of a lot of people. I do think twenty sixteen broke. I think 2016 broke a lot of liberal women's brains and they still blame him ultimately for basically not allowing Hillary to win. Um, (laughs) And this was supposed to be their big 2020 or whenever Trump lost was supposed to be their, you know, big moment of triumph. But I think everyone kind of knows this is all a sham that nobody really wanted Biden. Nobody really wanted Kamala Harris. And it's shown in the fact that, uh, as I said, Bernie Sanders just literally sitting there and he is still (laughs) the star. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
It's kind of hopeful, though, is because people are recognizing. And again, I don't know how big this thing is outside of like Twitter spaces. I think it's a little bit bigger than that. But like, it's hopeful that like people like that he's, you know, humble wearing his like only winter jacket and these like, you know, hand knit mittens made by like a local supporter, that kind of thing. So that, that, that part's kind of nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. But it does Very have a whole like, me. it has like an Elijah quality to it. Like, we're mourning. <laughs> the death of of a certain I- idealism <laughs> and th- and that that's what i kind of meant by disrespectful of the memes like instead of being fired up and yeah. saying no we'll get them next time it's kind of like all we can do at this point is laugh um so that that's what i meant yeah. um but yeah enough about the inauguration uh, nobody will talk about this in, in a day or two anyway all right Let's jump in. So Promising Young Women, new movie came out, stars uh, one of our collective favorite actresses, Carrie Mulligan. Philip, you're are you are you a big fan of hers? I know Liza and I are big fans. So mm-hmm. I actually on like I know that you guys brought up Drive as a movie that she was in, and I I saw that movie several years ago. I thought that it was actually um someone else. Who was it from from Dawson's Creek who was in it? Michelle, oh, Michelle Williams. Williams. Michelle she does Williams, kind of yeah. look yeah. like they her. Do. In I some used ways. to get them confused too. Cause they do they do like look alike. Mm-hmm. And they Same play kind face. of similar roles, especially when Carrie Mulligan has short hair. Yeah, yep. Cause yeah. Because I think her character on Dawson's Creek has short. I'm not sure, but yeah. is that uh, where for- Michelle Williams really comes from, Dawson? Yeah, that's, that's where she got famous. That's right. <laughs> You're in such disbelief. Yeah, uh, because I know her from Brokeback Mountain. That's the first time I ever saw her. Yeah, nope, she-, she she started off in Dawson's Creek, and you know, credit to her that she came from that. Uh, you know, kind of like infamously. Like, I mean, it's, it's like not the most well-acted show, right? Uh, I mean, there's a famous <laughs> not meme, right? There's a famous meme of Dawson, Dawson crying. crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Pro- so I, I didn't know that she was the 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 woman in Drive, um, but I, I did love her in Promising Young Woman. So she's she's great. I yeah. rented Promising Young Woman on Amazon like the day that it was released because I've just been waiting for it for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. What drew you to it? just been hearing a lot about it for the past few months so like every single day i would check um oh they said it was going to come out on video on demand in january so like every single day in january i was just checking my little my little uh my little website that i use my app real good where mm-hmm. it tells you where everything is streaming and so the day that it said that it was now available on prime i just rented it um j- uh, listeners if you uh, don't want spoilers i would recommend skipping from now until and then you can join us for uh afterwards which we'll promise we won't talk about spoilers but uh, the story overview is that uh, the protagonist is a woman named cassie played by carrie mulligan and she is, she's on this like revenge quest to avenge the the death of her friend who dropped out of med school after she was gang raped, but then nobody believed her. The administration didn't take action. So her friend, whose name is Nina, dropped out. Cassie herself dropped out to take care of Nina, but Nina ended up committing suicide. And ever since then, uh, Cassie's kind of lived in this state, like almost like a catatonic state. She, her life, she just works at a as a at a coffee shop. Um, her, she herself also dropped out of med school. She lives at home, has no friends, doesn't go on dates. Her life is just at a standstill. And she, <clears throat> the thing that she likes to do, <clears throat> things that she likes to do is she goes to clubs, pretends that she's drunk, gets taken home by some uh, skeezy guy. And then right before they're about to have sex, she like turns off her act and she confronts them. And yeah, she's doing this along with what seems to be like an overall plan to strike back at all the people who are involved in um in the thing actually right, no, I they all represent so everyone that she targets represents a different a different point of failure for for nina so there's right. like mm-hmm. dean the dean of the school the medical school that she went to represents like the institutional failure and then like alfred molina's character the lawyer who represented um uh her uh, nina's rapist he Al, represents yeah. like the judicial failure Mm-hmm. And then there's like Allison Bree, who plays um, one of their best friends, Madison. Um, this young woman who went to medical school with them. She represents just like how other woman, other women will, you know, put they won't believe you, and they'll actively take part, um, mm-hmm. siding with like, you know, with rape culture. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I was wrong in that she does that thing at the club, but I don't think she sets forth on the the big revenge plan at striking back against the people who are involved until the Ryan character, who's played by Bo Burnham, uh, who's an ex-classmate, comes into her cafe and tells her about Al Monroe, who's the guy, the main perpetrator in the rape against her friend, is getting married and everything. I think then that's that sparks her on this thing. But I think before that, she was just doing this... Um, going to clubs and pretending to be drunk things. So, yeah. yeah so it was why, a, it was a we... coping mechanism, right? It was, she was trying to do yeah. it because she felt like she was, it was the only way she could make right what happened to Nina. Yeah. So, so overall, what, what do you guys think of the movie? Uh, Philip, why don't, why don't we start with you? Uh, I thought it was great. I actually didn't know anything about it going in and I'm trying, I'm going to try to watch more movies <laughs> in this state where like I hear very little, don't watch any trailers and see what I glean from it. Um, but I thought the movie actually had a couple main points or th- not themes, but like points it was trying to make. It was a story about like um, an intimate view into rape culture on campus or off campus, right? Uh, and that, that's kind of what you were describing earlier about like the different aspects of rape culture. And then the the other part is like the story around a, a person trying to like cope with um, obsessing over like a, a loss, Right. In this case, like her not moving on with her life because she's trying to like deal still with the fact that her friend Nina died. And depending on which you think is the the main like kind of point behind the story, it, it may change how you feel about different parts of the story. And we'll, we'll talk about the ending of the story. And I think it's very relevant there. But that's that was my kind of take on it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liza? There. So, so I would say like for the most part, I really like this movie. I actually love this movie. The parts I didn't find effective are very nitpicky, though. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, um, okay, one thing is the lighting. I thought it was very sitcom lighting. It looked kind of cheap and <laughs> mm-hmm. corny. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Like yeah. the, the film takes on like a, um, I don't know. It doesn't look like a movie movie. There's something about it that looks very like, I don't know, like made for ABC or like, I don't know. like I agree with that. Especially the coffee shop. The coffee shop looked really weird to me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of the interior shots, they just look so cheap. It, I, I thought the colors were heavily saturated and that was the, it was kind of a point because it was going for this. No, no, like no, I don't have a problem effect. with that. It adds to the okay. camp of the whole thing. But but it, the colors were popping. Am I, am yeah. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. seeing I, I, I think that like, so like, yeah, parts inside the coffee shop, and then there's like that scene with McLovin, that guy. Oh yeah, let's, yeah, we got to talk about all the cameos. In okay, this I'll skip that. And then um, there's also like a lot of the cameos just don't work for me. Like it wasn't until afterwards that I read this article in the Ringer that talks about how promising young woman weaponizes a lot of the good guys of TV. That is mm-hmm. true. I did notice that. You know, and I'm just like, well, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> Okay. So okay. that part just doesn't work on me because I I ne- I like I don't watch series, so I don't I don't mm-hmm. know TV stars. I see. All right, I, I think we should kind of go uh, talk about like the big important uh, scenes and themes. Uh, my impression, I I enjoyed this movie a lot too, but I think I think the ending really saved it because up until the ending, I thought there are a lot of things about this movie that don't make sense if you think about it, and we can talk about that. But I thought the ending really did hammer home that this movie is is different than. Come just I like love a, the ending. Yeah, it's not like a tepid wish fulfillment thing. It really, you know, is willing to go there. So, all right, let's start with the whole thing about her doing the fake drunk thing and and going to what Liza you said about kind of like tearing down the ideal male characters of the past. Who is the first scumbag that we see? That guy. That, that guy. Um... Seth Cohen <laughs> from the OC. <laughs> Weirdly, so only never, Chris knows who I've that is. I've never seen him. I actually only know him from um. I actually don't know him. You know. Like, well, that's I, the I thing. That... He he is still Seth Cohen because that role was so legendary. Well, well, so what was the deal with this character? I don't know who this character is. So like, what? Okay, so Seth Cohen is like the proto hipster nice guy. Like before, it was like mainstream cool to like comic books or like bands like Death Cab for Cutie. Seth Cohen was the guy who. Who, who did things like he talked about you know anime he talked about you know that that kind of like geek nerd stuff mm-hmm. and he was like the breakout character of the show and you know the actor really hasn't done much since so i, I as soon anybody who sees adam brody and watch the oc automatically associates him with seth cohen okay so to see him do that on screen is jarring for any anybody who was a like, fan of like, the show like transform into a scumbag 
Yeah, yeah, because like you know, like Seth Cohen, he was famously in love with Summer uh, forever and ever from the start. He was loyal to her, uh, and in the end, they get married. And so he's it's like the because like Philip and I were talking about before how Philip, you said when you went to college, like all the all the girls there were just like obsessed with the OC. Yeah, because like the OC came out, I think when we were in late high school, like tenth grade. I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to an all-boys school, and, and the guys were talking about it and at, at the time. I thought, well, this is what the hell's wrong with us? But I will say, the first season of OC is like some some of the best television you you will see, and it's such what a perfect time capsule of the era. I think it was uh, like so mid two thousands, mid two thousands, early mid two thousands. Yeah, I think it was like uh, towards the middle to the end of my college career. I remember people in the dorms watching it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. The, the guys' dorms were watching uh, Prison Break at the time. Oh, yeah, Prison so. Break, Entourage. <laughs> yep. Which yep. I'm sure they'll try to make a woke version, which I would love love to see. For sure. <laughs> no, Greatest please. comedy of all time. <laughs> these, like, old, uh, these like old guys trying to take advantage of, of like, you know, Tumblr language. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like it's a gun to their head. But this is fun, you know, to watch. I guess, uh, but I mean, there, there's, it raises all sorts of questions because she's apparently been doing this for a couple of years, and the way the the movie shows it, as soon as she, you know, breaks out of her stupor, all the guys were like immediately apologetic and back off, and she's able to give them a stern lecture and then leaves. You mm-hmm. know, but it's like the kind of guys who do that will probably just hit her and and kind of rape her anyway if she's in there. At least there's gonna be a, a couple of guys who have done that, but the movie exists in this fantasy world where words have are so powerful that they can do that and you would think that you know at least on like reddit somebody would have said um whatever city this takes place in like hey there's this like crazy woman doing this somebody would have taken a picture of her doxed her and then she would have gotten harassed like there's no way she would have gotten being able to get away with this for for this long so was was it kind of uh was it kind of implied by the way in the first scene that she kills or like hurts. I think we're supposed to think that because the next morning she's walking down the street in the sunlight and there's like red stuff on her leg and we're supposed to think it's blood. But it's also like she's eating a hot like ketchup or hot sauce from the yeah. 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 And and she I mean and then all the bad things that she it looks like she did, whether it's um kidnapping the dean's daughter and letting her be raped by a bunch of guys or letting some guy rape the uh, Alison Brie character. It turns out Mm -hmm. all to have been bluffs. Mm-hmm. So, considering that, I, you know, it's clear that she's not capable of murder. Mm-hmm. Um, she let the dean off way too easy. Yeah, and and like, all right. So let's get to the dean scene. So wh- what happens with Dean, played by Connie Britton uh, of Friday Night Lights fame? You know, one okay, of the best so, TV uh, shows also ever. Also, someone I don't know. This is the first time I'm watching a movie <laughs> where like I can't recognize the characters. I can't recognize TV people. any you of don't the watch stars. TV. I know. So like, usually when I'm watching a movie, I can like name off every single minor character and like all the, their entire filmography. And for this movie, I was so like, I have no idea who these people are. Yeah, actually, no. Before the dean, let's go back uh, scene to the McLovin scene, uh, <laughs> which is great because I I wasn't quite sure if that was McLovin because he him. yeah because he still but I I remember when we did the review of the trial of the Chicago Seven, I thought McLovin was in that movie, but turned out he wasn't. <laughs> so I was McLovin. I know what you're talking about too. Which so character? I, I lost confidence in my McLovin radar, <laughs> but this guy is McLovin. He kind of he still kind of sounds like him and. Yeah, again, uh, McLovin in you know one of the greatest, if not the greatest, teen comedy of all time, Super Bad, which I think has unfairly come under some criticism lately of being toxic. When the whole message of the movie is don't get girls drunk and try to have sex with them, that actually makes you a scumbag, and not, mm. and that doesn't happen at the end. But I think some people just the mere mention of it is enough to uh, say it's a, like a bad movie or whatever. But this is kind of like uh, a scary dark uh future for the super bad guys like what if they actually didn't learn any mm-hmm. lessons from that mm-hmm. and then thought that uh g- taking advantage of drunken women was perfectly okay so again eliza uh, you to your point about these classic kind of like nice guy characters everyone loves mclovin you know he's, he's harmless did you and- uh did you catch the um david foster wallace <laughs> reference in this um, scene no because i've never read any david foster wallace but i'm not surprised that <laughs> but are you aware of the archetype that they were oh referring yeah yeah to? i mean yeah. at this point it's become like a, a parody of a parody where it's like making fun of a total straw man 0.5 <laughs> percent of guys have read this dude most 
dudes don't know yes, who this dude yes, is. Yes, but 100% of those 0.5% of guys has to always tell you that they read David Foster Wallace if they have. Right, and they right. are probably at least 75% of the social circles that, uh, you know, people who, who, you know, make movies or write run-in. So it's like mm-hmm. an outsized influence they have on that group. All of us here know that if people can barely sit through a two-hour movie, they can't sit through a 1,000-page book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, again, uh, with, with the McLovin character, she like comes to and then dresses him down and he just like quivers in her presence, which maybe McLovin would do. But as I said, it w- eventually there will be a guy who will just be like, you know, call her all sorts of names, just hit her and and whatever. So again, I, I thought that I, was one my, of the- my my mind didn't even go there with the first two guys where they just kind of like, you know, are kind of psych- like freaked out because McLovin, he's like really high in that scene, right? So he's like paranoid and freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have thought, I actually thought that it was great that she portrayed all these guys who ended up kind of whooping out and like not doing anything and letting her go just because it, it yeah i think it's indi- because they're shocked to be told that they're not nice guys i think it's just people they're... that really believe like i'm such a nice guy i'm different from all the other guys so like it's such a rude awakening when someone comes along and says you're toxic you are like but but i think it's it's it, sh- it also reemphasizes that it, it's not just like violent guys who like engage in rape culture or in rape yeah. right it's mm-hmm. also guys who may not actually want to enact any violence but they'll take advantage of a drunken woman right Mm -hmm. that was actually it was important that they showed that i think no i definitely agree my point though is that in in the movie universe she would not be able to tell who like like a wimpy nice guy versus yeah once you get home he could turn into a completely different that's the whole point right you cannot tell from physical appearance but it seems like she was able to zoom zoom in on all the like the, the I don't want to, this sounds bad, but like all the wussy rapists who would not actually carry it out uh, if she ever stood yeah, up for herself. Yeah, she, she has that notebook where she's like got like a, you know, cro- like crosshatch of like how many people, <laughs> a count of how many people she's done this to. And it's like in the maybe hundreds or something, right? Yeah, to your point, Chris, like the kinds of guys that actually did carry out an actual rape, they were like these clean cut guys in medical school who went on to become like anesthesiologists and like pediatricians. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I th- and I think that's why the ending, I thought saved the movie because it's like, it's like stuff that kind of doesn't make sense. It seems kind of preachy, you know, for her to, it seems like a very elaborate setup for her to give these speeches against these guys that rightfully uh, are being scorned. But it's like the movie seems straining itself until the ending, uh, which we'll mm-hmm. get to. Um, so, okay, then I think before we get to the Dean scene, should, should we talk about the Ryan character played by Bo Burnham who shows up Lazard, in her life? And- Lazard, do you know who Bo Burnham is? <laughs> nope. I had no idea okay. who he was either. I spent the whole movie just wondering why there are no movie stars in this. I was like, oh, how yeah, come he's- there's no famous people in this movie except for McLovin and Carrie Mulligan? <laughs> Bo Burnham is extremely famous, but on YouTube. That's why. And he directed Eighth Grade, a great movie that we will probably pot about soon. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea what Wait, he looked like. He directed like. that? Yeah, I think he wrote and directed it. A YouTuber directed like an Oscar nominated movie? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's not that and, hard to believe. And, these and days. soon TikTokers wow. will do it too. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I, I hey, hope we never new, get to that point. But me. yeah, so Orion is played by Bo Barham. He shows up at the coffee shop and he starts, like, you know, in this kind of adorably awkward way trying to flirt with. Uh, Cassie. They used to be uh, classmates in, um, in medical school, and you know she's having none of it. She doesn't want to date, and you know she doesn't want to be reminded of med school. But he's very charmingly persistent. Like he he skirts that edge between being kind of menacing in his persistence, but also self-effacing enough that you know he's like kind of comes off as funny and self-aware. So she's eventually, he's drinking. He still came out, came back, and asked her out on a date. No, not only that, he drank it. He drank the show that <laughs> how much he was willing to put up with. Yeah, and I thought his character was going to be blasted by you know if you go to like the MGTOW subreddits, they're gonna be like, oh, this fucking simp. You know, he's just a total doormat. I mean, when when he runs into her leaving the club with another guy after she blew he's him so off. Calm. Yeah, and he gets kind of upset, but he takes her back easily. And it's like, oh my god, is he being set up as this, you know, supposed ideal guy that in real life would probably just be sneered at for being a total spineless wimp, which you know he would be if if that was his 
the totality of his character. He has a moment in the in the Seven Eleven where he's lip syncing to Paris Hilton. Where like stars are blind. Yeah, I was like, which I uh, I've never heard before, but it seemed like a catchy song. Are you but serious? You never heard this song? It's very catchy. Uh, no, I there, I, I didn't Paris Hilton have another guys? hit. Can I no, that was your hit. <laughs> that was the hit. Sure. That yeah, that was her hit. Can Is I it play your ringtone? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, this is Stars of Blind by Paris Hilton. I want you to hear this song by UB40 that was popular in the 80s. Oh, I see. So it's like a total ripoff. Literally the same song. Wow. Yeah. No surprises that, I, there, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't even know that Paris Hilton song, and even I could immediately uh, tell they sounded similar. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, <clears throat> this Ryan character uh, it started kind of like setting off alarms in my head. Like, is this veering on wish fulfillment? He's too got, good to be true, right? He's too good to be true, and you know, is this kind of like setting up this impossible night? in shining armor thing but there's a twist at the end yeah which is what it looks like he's going to be yeah until allison brie madison shows up with a video that she's been holding on to for years to give a little background on the allison brie character uh she's this she's essentially like one of the guys you know the type of women who will you know side with the guys whenever this happens she even says that she like laughed about it afterwards and then uh, Cassie fakes a catch up like oh you know I, I, I want to see you and then she gets her really drunk and then um, I guess hired a guy to take the Allison Brie character to a hotel room and then make it seem like he raped her uh, which is like so unbelievably cruel but in a very interesting dark hero like anti-hero kind of way mm-hmm. but then the movie kind of undercuts itself later by saying oh this was, it was all faked but you know this compels the Alison Brie character to have uh, a change of heart and she reveals that she there was a video made and she's going to give it to Cassie on the condition that you know she never contact her again and then from that video we learned that Ryan was actually at the thing which I thought as a as a, as a um, spectator he did not participate in the rape yeah but still still that's just like you know yeah I mean that, that's still pretty bad uh and then um now she has proof to really confront the Al Monroe and his friends, uh, Al Monroe being the, the main bad guy. And then she her plan now is to uh, infiltrate their bachelor party in the in the woods, dressed as like a stripper nurse, and then isolate Al and get her revenge on him. And I guess this is now the time to really talk about the ending, unless there's like other stuff before it that you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I think it, talk a little bit more about the dean and the lawyer alfred molina because they do you know alfred especially alfred molina his character does come in Mm -hmm. at the end all right yeah let's talk about the dean first just because her scene comes before the scene with the lawyer so the dean uh represents uh you know institutional negligence or, or even complicity in, in you know a lot of these rape cases uh she doesn't even remember uh Deaton doesn't even remember nina and she said she tells cassie just one uh, of many yeah like, i handle get so at many least of one these. of these every week yeah, yeah one every week and she can't even put a name or a face to this okay so then cassie then tells her that and then she reveals that she kidnapped her daughter and then put her in some hotel room with alcohol with some with some guys and basically makes uh the dean admit that what she did was wrong uh, and then at the end, Cassie says, you know, are you, are you, you know, are you kidding? I didn't do that. I just took her to a diner and she's like, you know, eating a milkshake there. I was really bothered that she didn't tell the Dean that Nina ended up committing suicide because of the Dean's inaction. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I assume the Dean kind of, well, no, the Dean didn't know because no, she, 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 she didn't even know who Nina was. Yeah. Was, yeah. It, was it, by the way, was it like ever made explicit that she committed suicide? Or was it just implied? Oh yeah, entirely? definitely. Heavily implied, right? No, it, it, no, explicitly said that. Explicitly? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because I was wondering the same thing, because 
Uh, cause when she visits Nina's mom, like she said, the mom says something like, "This isn't good for Nina." So I well, thought, the whole "Wait, time is she they're still talking alive? about her yeah. in past tense, like Nina yeah, would have but, loved yeah. this. This is, you know, Nina was so kind. That's why I just assumed that she was dead and committed suicide." I think it's mm-hmm. in the end when she confronts Al, she tells her like, oh, you know, or he says like, "Oh, you know, Nina, that crazy bitch is dead or something like that." So yeah, yeah she that's committed true, that's suicide. True. Yeah. So um, yeah, so the Dean scene. Uh, Eliza, you said uh, you thought the dean got off too lightly. I did, yeah. Yeah, because ultimately nothing happened, and I also thought, why didn't the dean now report her to the police? Because you know she could be charged with I don't know endangering the life of a minor, maybe kidnapping, you know, illicit transportation or something like that. But the dean just kind of seems defeated and doesn't do anything about it afterwards. Again, it, it's this uh, unrealism uh, uh, that. I think no, was- I, I don't agree. I think it's actually realistic <laughs> in that like it's implying that this is what the institution does. It probably gets really like two, you know, a dozen of these accusations a month and it does nothing with most of them, including no, no, I'm not saying, even- Why didn't co- the dean report Cassie? Oh, to the cops? Yeah. Because oh. she like kidnapped her daughter. That's like, true. She- it, it was weird that she wasn't like, I'm going to call 911, get out of my office kind of thing, right? But- yeah, because she, she didn't come in there with a mask. She knows who she is. She's a former student, has all the info on her. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that's what I was talking about. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, no, it's but, definitely realistic that the school would do nothing, yeah. and in fact, that's why a lot of schools have now gone to the other end. Where, I mean, if you read a book like Unwanted Advances by Laura Kipnis, she describes uh, quite, um, you know, it can be quite scary for, you know, like even academics who are accused, where they just don't know what's going on. They're not allowed to be told anything. And it, it's to make up for this kind of stuff where, you know, they're just like, oh, but but the Al Monroe's, he's such an upstanding kid. He's got such a nice smile. He's a promising young man, right? Promising young man. Um, so we're not going to do anything about yeah. it unless there's a video. And even if there is, we might think it was, I don't know, deep faked or something. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I think the <laughs> I think the, the, the Dean scene for me, especially, you know, how the movie was set up. So it's like five parts, like you'd get the, the hatch of like mm-hmm. one, two, mm-hmm. three, as she approaches each kind of like theme in this like whole rape culture thing the the dean scene was when i realized it was set up that way that she was like addressing like topic number one number two and so on and that carried throughout the movie i I don't know if i felt like that was good or bad i guess it like was kind of nice because it was neat and tidy like you you saw each of the different parts of these um you know these procedures playing out Mm -hmm. but but um yeah i don't know if it took away from the movie at all or not making it so like this uh discreet also, the the casting of Connie Britton is curious because I mean she's most famous for playing Tammy Taylor, who is like one of the most beloved I think female TV characters of modern times. I don't know. She she she's just she's like a great mom, a great guidance counselor, a, a great wife, a great a great career woman. She's like everything, mm-hmm. and for her to now be the complicit dean, I think is also going to be very painful for fans of Friday Night Lights like like myself mm-hmm. to see. Uh, Tammy Taylor doing this I guess this that's the point, right? To take yeah. so many beloved characters and turn them upside down. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all disappointments. Yeah. Or at least it yeah. would make the, the movie more interesting. Get more yeah. buzzed going. As for Alfred Molina, I don't know if people have quite the love for him that they might uh, for those other characters, but... I don't know. Um, he's the only one that I recognize. Yeah, but well, he's like, played finally, before. Doctor o- yeah, Doctor Octopus. Well, he's played he's played bad guys before, <laughs> but he's actually the only one who gets off. He uh, plays Carrie Mulligan's dad in an education. Oh, great role by him. he's so good in that movie. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that movie and a little bit at the end. But his um, first role was um, he's in that famous opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The all right, he's the guy mm-hmm. who dies. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> who abandons Indy and pays the price by getting impaled by a bunch of spikes. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, as I said, he's the only one who, whom Cassie lets off because he seems genuinely contrite. He did seem very, very bothered. Yeah. And he's even said that he went through like a psychotic episode and had to give up his practice. He couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was like in the business of defending alleged rapist and his whole thing was character assassination of the accusers mm-hmm. and he's like talking about how easy that was with social media these days you know just find like one picture of her kind of looking drunk with a bunch of guys around her and then the jury it's would over. immediately turn on the on the accuser so yeah he's done a lot of like bad shit in his day i thought it was great that uh they showed a genuinely re- remorseful character right just to break up the one two three four five of all these villains yeah. um all right should we talk about the ending now sure okay yes. so 
So in the ending, to set it up, um, she uh, infiltrates these guys' uh, bachelor party as dressed well, like a stripper. Why don't you back up how she found out about the bachelor party's location? It's from Ryan Oh, from Ryan. Himself. After she, she shows him the video him, and destroys his, you know, lovable, nice guy act. She, like, demands he to says know. says some horrible things to her. Yeah. Um, what, what does he say exactly? He I... calls her a fucking failure. Oh yeah, yeah. He he lets the nastiness out. Yeah. Um, and she gets, but she gets the info to this party, and then she goes there, and you know the guys are like, who you know who ordered the stripper? Nobody really said anything, but you know what do they care? Free stripper, I guess. And then um, she sees the the owl guy, and she gets she does she does like the the mouth shots for every, every guy, but she's laced it with like I guess the date rape drug, so it knocks them all out. Uh, but not before she takes. Al up to the bedroom and is she's Al gonna, like, someone famous? No, I mean the the guy who plays his friend is is that actor is I swear he's like the go-to actor whenever you need like a smarmy douchebag because I remember him from the big short. The big Have short, you, he plays yeah. that Florida um <laughs> yeah. real estate guy. The scummy yeah. Oh, yeah. Florida um you know subprime Ripping mortgage. Off all the, yeah. <laughs> he's like selling selling bad mortgages to strippers. Yeah, and there's and there's and such immigrants. A great scene he said where, that he was the one that literally said like we target immigrants because they can't they don't understand the legalities. They're just so excited to own a, own a home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and strippers too. He's like mm-hmm. um He's like they're they're, they're cash naive. rich and and you know their credit sucks and then one of the guys makes a joke like oh yeah I think I heard that from Warren Buffett and they're like who's Warren Buffett <laughs> <laughs> oh but you know he just has such like a like a douchebag face and I think he knows it and he and he's leveraging it um to his credit I guess to a fairly decent acting career so okay, he, uh, so, she gets- so besides the big short though like why is he famous. I think he was in a uh, new girl, the the sitcom, which I haven't seen. But I think so. I think he plays yeah. not not like not like a bad guy as like in the Big Short or this movie. But you know, he's he's like a smarmy douchebag who I think it still ends up with one of the main female characters. Like I guess he reforms or something. But okay, so now she has Al alone in the bedroom and then handcuffs him to the bed. It's kind of like the the re- revenge scene from the girl with the dragon tattoo. And mm-hmm. then um, she like slowly reveals who she is uh, after he's handcuffed. And then her revenge plan, I guess, is to write her name all over his body again, like the the girl from yeah. with the dragon tattoo. And this is where the the twist comes because I think at this point you're all assuming, oh, she's gonna triumph. This is gonna be her revenge. Uh, successful revenge and then she's gonna walk out of here uh, a changed woman and finally uh, able to move on with her life but I mean she he makes kills the, her George Floyd style yeah yeah um, he, she obviously makes the miscalculation that you know just cause this guy is cuffed that he's now basically sedated she like gets on top of him and tries to like carve Nina's name into his chest but he kind of like he's still able to fight back and suffocates her uh, with a pillow which is extremely knee on difficult. The too. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's such a difficult scene to watch because it's it's really so long. long. Yeah, it, it's so long that you you don't know if he's gonna like maybe come to and let her go or something like that, right? Yeah, uh, you 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 pretty much see every second of her last breaths, like struggling and everything. Mm-hmm. The scene that it most reminded me of is the the scene in Saving Private Ryan when Private Mellish gets stabbed in the heart. Mm, it's such a slow and stab. It's just so slow. You see every like millimeter of that blade going into his heart and mm-hmm. and still to this day i think it's one of the most horrific deaths you see on screen because it's not quick it's very slow you see him struggle for life until until the very end mm-hmm. and as i said i think this ending was was such a good ending and I, I think without it i think if it had kind of a happy ending i wouldn't have liked this movie it'd be like this is just it would just yeah it would be like every other revenge movie kind of like, like birds Dirty of prey Harry. uh well, something well, like well, that what ends you know? up happening with a lot of these revenge movies and what i like about this one is that a lot of times when the person who is getting the revenge they go so far that like the revenge becomes worse than the actual crime because they just do yeah. it so many times to so many people and like that circle just keeps spreading out and mm-hmm. out and out you like forget what the original crime was yeah uh and it's it's like you know if, if you had kind of just moved on you would have been better <laughs> off yeah let me ask you guys a question because when that happened when she was killed i was a little bit surprised and then i thought like couldn't she have just released the video that she had incriminating like all these people at this party 
and like just destroying yeah, I, their careers, maybe getting them in prison, maybe not, but certainly destroying their careers because it's going to happen to Ryan, right? I think that that's the intention for the audience to be like, oh man, man, she should have just released the video and she would still be alive and she'd have her revenge, you know? Right. Yeah, but but, but this gets, gets, gets to the thing I was saying earlier about like, is this, is, is this movie about like, rape culture or is it about someone being consumed by an obsession if you think it's about someone being consumed by an obsession that's the her being consumed right her being killed at the end because she went too far to get that last lick of revenge against uh almond Ro. yeah and i think that's what that's why i like this movie because if it were because it makes her interesting as a character like why yeah as i said why she didn't she just releases this on on twitter and it would have done just as much damage uh as because like, her death is kind of like for nothing in Almost, the end, yeah. because she does release the video and they do get arrested. Um, well, I guess they wouldn't have got, uh, gotten arrested for murder. Hell, hell, maybe that's maybe she wanted to die. That's actually another angle. Maybe she wanted to die and get them not only for murder, but I mean, not only for rape, but also for murdering her. Mm-hmm. Um, that could that could be a thing. Maybe she thought if if it was just rape, it wouldn't have been enough. Maybe they would have gotten she did the, know the she was treatment. Die she wrote the letter to the letter. I mean, she wrote the letter to the lawyer and said, "If I don't come back." Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so she was willing to die. Uh, so I think that is beyond the just the whole rape culture narrative. And it, it is now more about her as a character as opposed to a vehicle for sending a message about, you know, campus rape and all that. No, mm-hmm. she is actually a very deeply um, messed up individual. She represents all the other women whose lives have been ruined or have lost their lives either to violent rape or suicide because of trauma. Yeah, and um, I think it makes her. It makes you wonder about her as a person, as opposed, as I said, just being a vessel to carry out these messages. Mm-hmm. So another reason I like the ending. All right, so um, so she dies, and then I think it, it's also very effective because it just shows you how craven these guys are. Because maybe one thing if if Alma Monroe was like, "Ha ha, I got you now," you know, how do you like this? But he's like all sobbing and 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 so pathetic. He's, he's so like, pathetic, he's so like, "What's my fiance gonna think? She's gonna get so mad," you know that. And then his friend comes, the um, the, jo- the you know, the, Joe, the douche- douchebag guy, yeah, Joe, yeah. the the douchebag character uh, from from the Big Short, and he's like, "You did nothing wrong," it, like almost like he's he's uh, a parent, and but, but all they know- care about. That's that scene and the scene after where like the cops start looking into her death and they go to they they uh, talk to Ryan at his office about it. Those are two really they're important so scenes. They're so kind to him. Yeah, they're super nice to him. But but like those two scenes are are important kind of like you know chapters in the lesson book about rape culture, right? Like going back to the whole one two three four five thing where like it shows you how like the guys in the in the scene where she's, she's dead. Doubt. Yeah, well, the, okay, the doctor gets the benefit of doubt because he's like a distinguished doctor. The guy said, like, oh, thank you for your contributions to the community, all that stuff. But in the scene with the two guys at the uh, the next morning after she's killed, they like kind of rationalize the whole thing, right? And make it, you know, they, they try to make it not about the murderer, right? And, and you can just picture those being real scenes that happen as a rape is committed and it's investigated. So they're, they're important in that sense. Not only that, but they don't, like the gravity of the fact that they committed murder doesn't seem to register because the things they're worried about. Oh no, my, my yeah, wedding no. might be canceled. Yeah. My fiance is going to be mad at me. Oh my, my you know, w- what will my parents think? It's not, Oh God, I'm a murderer now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you're a kid and you, you, you wrecked your parents' car. That's the level of, of remorse they have. It's completely derived from <laughs> social shame. How am I going to hide shame. this from mom and dad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's completely derived from social shame as opposed to an internal sense of, I, I did something just inhumane and objectively wrong. But the movie, like the movie obviously wanted to showcase that at length. They, they had a full scene around it to show like, this is what guys will think after they've done a horrible thing to a woman. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you can't do that unless Cassie has been killed. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, which I think is another reason why the, the ending really did save the movie. And I, I want to talk about some of the critical reactions to this movie. I think most mm-hmm. people liked it, but I did, see some people saying it was too bleak it was too sad um but i don't know it's like well what do you want like a like a happily ever after uh, these stories don't have a happily ever yeah, it's after a fucking movie it, about rape culture like what do you what did you expect the fact that they even made it like they, they had a semi love story to it and also you know had um you know like some dark humor to it was enough to take the edge off to make it not completely disastrously you know ter- terrible right um but yeah. it, it's meant to be dark <laughs> that's the whole point yeah, and it already um, 
kind of pulled back on like you know cassie not really being touched or harmed in any way while she was doing the whole fake drunk thing so you you already got that so i mean it could have been a lot bleaker you know uh so i, I thought i thought the ending was quite necessary and then i mean they, they burnt and you know it's, it's it's pretty shocking to see them just burn her body like she's like an old rug that they just need to get rid of what when they're moving or something and then the final scene is uh you know the wedding happens and you know everyone's happy everyone thinks they got away with it then uh ryan suddenly gets a text from like a, like a posthumous text well it was timed so a she's not texting from text. the grave yeah the grave. scheduled yeah. text and she and it's like uh oh now what's happening and it turns out that uh you know before she went to the cabin she anticipated this might happen so she sent a video to the alfred molina character and told him like you know this was his way of atoning is to send this video out if she doesn't make it back and um and then the police come and, and ruin this you know instagram worthy <laughs> wedding and and that's the way the movie ends to a very very nice scene where i i enjoyed the use of juice newton's angel of the morning <laughs> and uh the ending did remind me of um you guys seen the black mirror episode shut up and dance yeah Oh yeah, so. I mean that's my favorite Black Mirror episode. But in case people don't know, that's the uh, child molestation one where Ugh. the you know the, the the protagonist is blackmailed into doing all this stuff, and then in the end he gets the text, and everything is released anyway. Um, so it it reminded me of that, and yeah, that's that's how the movie ends. Bleak but satisfying. <laughs> yeah, um, I think some people have criticized it for my only criticism of it really is execution. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't think that um, Emerald Fennel is a strong enough director because sometimes, like, who is she some, exactly? She does um, the Crown, I think. On oh, really? Oh, wow, okay. that's yeah. that's an incredible she TV show. Crown, and she also did another movie that I actually really liked um, a few years ago, The Danish Girl. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with um, Eddie, Eddie Redmayne? Redmayne. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like the for so for me, um, the execution like it, it comes down to like there's something about it that looks very sitcommy. Like the way it's divi- like the way it looks, and then the way it's divided into five sections, it looks like it's some like TV miniseries. And mm-hmm. then it's like filled with like people that I don't know. So I mean, that could just be my own bias because they're TV stars. So to me, it looks like a TV show and not I, a movie. I think so. Cheesy. These people are pretty famous, yeah. They're not like I don't know. They they're not like Brad Pitt. Like oh they no, they're not like superstar like, famous. All these people but, yeah. are like they're not famous enough that like if they went to the grocery store, they're gonna get mobbed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a budget thing. Like I don't know, they had to shoot in a certain way to to fit a budget or something. The entire budget went um, to Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. There's definitely some weird shots. Like one one particular shot that was really strange to me was the next morning after she kills he kills um uh Cassie. There's this like shot to show that it's like they're waking up there's like this light beam of light on her body which i thought was interesting but it was actually the shot after where you would see these like mosquitoes or flies kind of like in the windowsill like a really like nice close-up of them i don't know why that was inserted but it just felt really off there's some definitely some things about this photography that was kind of off that's something is well like the bugs are supposed to be like something rotten maybe like in, something, like in the but movie vice where maybe there's flies yeah. everywhere i don't know Oh, speaking of uh, other famous people, I noticed how the uh, Cassie's dad is played by the psychotic prison guard from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> so it was very jarring to see, you know, him being like a nice older man here. And then the mom was played by Stifler's Jennifer mom from Coolidge. American Pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which tells me that people must have really wanted to be a part of this project. I'm sure they couldn't afford to pay all these people their actual, you know, usual rates. So I'm guessing this was like a buzzy movie that addresses a very important contemporary topic and mm-hmm. everybody wanted to be involved. And I wonder if a lot of the guys like, like the Seth Cohen and, and McLovin and all these guys, it, it's kind of like their way of acknowledging their own, you know, like white male privilege by being in this movie and willing to show themselves to be these scumbags, which then kind of inoculates them against, you know, lacking self-awareness from future on or maybe I'm being too cynical, but it did, I don't think it's an accident that all these relatively famous people happen to be in this. I think it's her first movie, the director. 
Uh, no, it's not. She, she did The Danish Girl. Oh, yeah, Girl. you just said that. Yeah, and you she said directed that. The Crown on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I meant movie, though. But even on that, I'm not right. Because you said she did a movie before. With very, with like excellent actors. No, I, I, there's something about this movie that's like, it's so high concept that like the execution of it doesn't fit. Like the, vi- mm. like the actual, like how it appears on screen doesn't fit how high concept the movie is. Mm-hmm. Good movie though. Entertaining. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I would recommend this uh, if if only to I think it is one of those movies that people will talk about whether you like it or not. So hey, get in on it. Uh, so in the last uh, little segment of this pod, we got a bit of time left. So why don't we just talk about some other Carrie Mulligan movies that we like? I recently just rewatched Drive. So even though she, good. Even though like it's like Ryan Gosling's movie, she plays a major part in it. And when I first saw it, when it came out, I guess almost 10 years ago, I remember like not liking it at all. Like, what is this pretentious shit? <laughs> I don't know what is up with this. Why is no one talking in this movie? Yeah. Um, I th- But I just watched it recently and I really liked it this time. I think it's because two reasons. One is I watched it this time on, on like the big screen with my projector. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a movie that really... It's a very like movie that it's about you know it, it has the the visuals the the music, uh it's not so much about the crackling dialogue or crackling plot, so I think you need that environment to really appreciate it. Secondly, I've been listening to the to like the, the main song from it for for a long time, <laughs> and j- just the it's like such a perfect song for the movie. I mean, it's a perfect song in general, but the way it's used in the movie is so great, um so good that you know I made it the theme song for this episode, and yeah, Did overall. You guys catch wildlife. Yes, I saw that. Didn't I get saw a chance that. to know. So I like her in that movie. It's really good. The funny thing about Carrie Mulligan is it's so easy to forget that she's British because except for an she's education. British? Oh my god. Yeah. 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 See, exactly. <laughs> she is so good oh, at just playing that like earthy American woman. Because mm-hmm. uh, in Wildlife, is set in Nebraska, no Montana, and you really do believe that she's she's like the local girl from uh, Montana. Drive. The Great Gatsby, like... which I haven't seen, but you know Daisy oh, Buchanan. Oh, I love Great Gatsby. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I haven't so seen it. I should. I, I was very, I was very skeptical because I really liked the 1970s version with Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that Carrie Mulligan was cast to play um, Daisy, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was nervous, but I thought she did such a good job. Yeah, but that's like a quintessential American female character, and Daisy you know, she plays from her. Yeah. Um, I mean, Drive. She plays uh, another. You know, like an LA waitress type. Um, so yeah, as, as I said, my least favorite um, Carrie Mulligan movie is going to upset you, Chris. You're going to say an education? No, Inside <laughs> Llewellyn Davis. I totally forgot she's in that. I hate that movie. Oh, I love that movie. But so wait, wait, wait. What, what what does she play in that movie? I or who does she play? I totally forgot about her. She's not that big of a role. It's mostly Oscar Isaac, but. Yeah, I, I just remember Oscar Isaac and F. Murray Abraham, and that it's really it's really the two of them that. I that like every like single actor the and movie, the directors right? of of Inside Llewellyn Davis. I hate the movie though. I just I don't know what it, I don't like the music either. <laughs> oh, I love the music from it. Was that a big Oscar winner that year it came out? No, no, it, it was kind of like a Nominate, quiet Warner Brothers film. Okay. Um, it kind of flew under the radar. It's not, I don't think it's one of their like most famous movies, but I thought it was so good. But uh, oh, going back to the. The Robert Redford Great Gatsby. I remember watching it as a kid, and you know, I didn't know the ending to it. And I remember watching it. I just started crying so hard when he died. Then I rewatched the movie during English class, and I was like, "This movie is just really corny." <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the execution, um, and I was like, "Maybe I should have rewatched this. It would have lived on better in my memory." But um, yes, yeah, so just wanted to Funny share how that. that. Happens. Mm-hmm. We had to watch uh, it for English class too. I think everyone does. It's like one of those books and movies that you're just yeah no i wonder if they I, would... I, are they gonna show the baz lerman great yeah well they already <laughs> showed the baz lerman romeo and juliet for you they know the inevitable shakespeare pe- no they do i watched it is in that like the, seventh grade. Is the, the romeo one plus from the 1960s no see that that has nudity in it that's the problem is it the leonardo the, one the baz lerman does too mm, uh, no no i don't think you could get to see isn't her, uh, isn't yeah i'm talking about like like breasts yeah so i think and plus i think the 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 zeffirelli one's also old although not black and white old so maybe there's this is like I, i'm sure the teacher's like how do we get these kids to be into shakespeare i know let, let's show them to be a hip um, so they're gonna show California. the one with the rifles and the hawaiian shirts <laughs> <laughs> it was good people liked it 
We went. We actually took. We had a few trip to see uh, Romeo plus Juliet. <gasps> Romeo plus Juliet. That's what it's called. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, what do you mean a field trip? You went to the theaters? Yeah, we went to like this big like like oh uh, Cinesphere theater to see it as for English class. <laughs> oh my Romeo god! Plus I had a good time. Juliet. Yeah, my my buddy Eric was like. At the end, they did the ending a little bit differently. They're like, "Why didn't he just? Why didn't one of them just like you know put their fingers in their in their throat and like throw all, th- throw up the the poison and then live happily ever after?" It made no sense. <laughs> yeah, because in the in the in the Baz Luhrmann one, she actually wakes up as he's right before he's yeah. drinking the poison, That's right? And she actually touches him and him like a moron, like still I don't know. It's like I want to take this. I'm thirsty. <laughs> Well, I guess you could say he's traumatized and whatever, but it's like, uh, look two inches, avert your gaze like two degrees southward and you would have seen her moving mm-hmm. and you could have lived happily ever after. Mm-hmm. But um, They were 13 though, so, you know. Yeah. But it's, no, it's so funny uh, when you go on like YouTube and you watch clips from Romeo and Juliet, a lot of comments are like, oh my God, what happened to Leonardo DiCaprio? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he, he's not looking good these days, you know? He's uh, obviously oh, yeah. very talented, but you look at what he used to be in the 90s and it's like... Titanic man. and like, yeah. Yeah, he's... uh. So, it's, a, it's a beautiful boy. He went downhill real fast. Did you guys ever see What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Oh, yeah. Another another really, great really movie, which I suspect will get canceled soon because Leonardo DiCaprio plays a okay, mentally challenged boy. So I have boy. an issue oh, about man. this. So all these cancellations of people not playing the right identity. How come Timothy Chalamet never gets canceled for playing a gay guy and Call Me By Your Name? Like, he's so beloved by that set. That I guess since they have set. a crush on him, it's okay. Yeah. But maybe... Oh, okay. Maybe... So, because, so now that Leonardo DiCaprio is too old to have a crush on, because he's like 50... Yeah, he's vulnerable. They want to take him down. Especially okay. all, the, all the shit about his like his various girlfriends being, you know... No, no, I think that's the main reason. Yeah. Um, he's, Who, Chalamet? He's... Didn't he give ST... Like, didn't he give chlamydia to like half of NYU? Uh, maybe. Y- <laughs> uh, that's, those are the allegations. Okay, so why isn't he canceled? He also played he's a game. the guy, right? He's by their in. logic, like if someone else did this... If they gave uh, chlamydia to um, half of NYU and they played a gay guy when they are so obviously not gay, they would have been canceled too. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, get, I think that shows the double standards, right? If they if they really like you, you will get away with a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, give absolutely. it a few years, though, uh, once he's no longer that hot. Uh, may, maybe he's not hot then... now. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's making so huge ugly. movies. No, no, like... I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean like literally hot. I mean more like in a sense of like being at the like time. The it guy. The it guy yeah. at the time. The and also starting big movies. I watched the movie. I watched Scott Cooper's Hostiles with um, Wes Sooty and uh, Christian Bale and Rosamund Pike and Timothy Chalamet. I have never been so so. Timothy Chalamet gets shot and killed in the first ten minutes of the movie. You're like, wow! I was so happy. I was like, thank God we don't have to look at him for like oh. the next two hours. He's gone. Uh, I yeah. hate him. <laughs> such it's, it's the such reason why feelings. I can't watch Greta Gerwig movies. He's in all of them. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't watch Call Me by Your Name because, like, one, I don't care about Army Hammer, and I absolutely hate. Timothy Chalamet, so like, there's nothing, there's nothing mm-hmm. for me there. I was watching a bunch of um, revenge movies after Promising Young Woman. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I watched The Crow. I watched Old Boy. Mm. I watched Kill Bill one and two. I watched Death Becomes Her. Mm-hmm. Um, the Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis revenge movie. That's also like really campy and like sci-fi. <laughs> oh, yeah. I watched. Um, the Revenant too. Oh, I still haven't seen that. What's good? That's not supposed to be a revenge film, right? You mean with the bear <laughs> and and Leo? That is a revenge film, the Re- the Revenant. Oh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay. Speaking of Goldie Hawn, one of I think my favorite revenge films is the First Wives Club. Have you guys ever seen that? No. I love that movie <laughs> <laughs> with Diane Keaton <laughs> and, and, and Ivana Trump. Remember, Ivana yes. Trump makes an appearance at the end. <laughs> the Trumps are in so many 90s movies. It's not no, they funny. are such an embodiment of the 90s. I remember Donald Trump um, being in Pizza Hut commercials uh, <laughs> with this gigantic pizza called The New Yorker. And he was so ubiquitous in the 90s that I was like, why is this guy famous? Because, I mean, some, some rich guys are famous for doing specific things like Bill Gates. He, like, invented... The computer, basically, that's what I knew him as. But it's like Donald Trump, who's this guy? He's everywhere, but I don't he's like really... a tabloid guy. Yeah, but at that age, you don't really understand tabloids. You don't understand real estate. So, like, I don't know why this guy's so famous. But the, I mean, the first wife Club, for some reason, I watched it as a little kid, uh, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, 
Yeah, a classic. It still holds up. It's still funny. It has uh, Trump's number one enemy, Bette Midler, in it. <laughs> <laughs> even the men in the movie are hilarious. Yeah, even S- yeah. SJP's in it, too. She yeah, Sarah plays, Jessica Parker. Yeah, yeah she plays she, Bette Midler's... Uh, she plays the... Um, the, the new uh, wife. Mistress, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the new wife. Yeah, mistress turned new wife. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I think that wraps it up for this episode. So hope you enjoyed this. I'm assuming if you listened to it, you watched Promising Young Woman. Yeah, let us know what, <laughs> what you thought. You know? you. <laughs> if you haven't, well, sorry for ruining it, uh, but we gave you ample warning. Uh, so there it is. All right. So signing off, we'll be back next week with another episode. So bye, everyone. Later. Bye.